the vision, the philosophy of, of cypherpunks, you're, you're rooting for BSV, which is what is the philosophy there that there's just this, like this ultimate truth machine that can explain it to me. So I, I have been a libertarian activist for 20 years. Uh, I, I volunteered in both of Ron Paul's presidential campaigns. I've written for anarchist uh, newspapers. I, I've had uh, pen name. I've gone to rallies for for you know since since college. I am a I am a hardline libertarian. Uh, this is what got me into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, however, for me, this week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to StealthEX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making Stealth EX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet, send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Duman interviews Kurt, the CEO of Gorilla Pool, founder of Florida Bitcoin Citadel and the BSV Project. The two discuss what BSV is and how it differs from Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, the issues with dev centralization and achieving consensus around hard forks, pre-random X Monero, the power of smart contracts, the importance of scalability, transaction fees, block size, NFTs, if fungibility can be achieved through transparency, and an overall philosophical comparison between an ultimately transparent global ledger and an obfuscated one. Monero Talk starts... Now. So what's going on, man? So we'll, we'll, we'll do this uh, just in the Twitter spaces. We'll switch things up for today, which is fine. This is fine. People can, can, can jump in the room. Uh, this, awesome. this might even be better for some reason. All right, so so you're on Monero Talk. You're, you're live. You're live on Monero yes. Talk. Kurt, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So I'm, uh, well, a bunch of, bunch of technical things at once. So I'm standing in the front of a hotel, connected to hotel Wi-Fi, and Trying to have a reasonable uh, spot. I'm actually outside of the BSV meetup here in South Florida at the moment. Um, well, as soon as I'm off the space, I'm going to go have some drinks with uh, my compatriots over here. But uh, just hanging out. Had a had a long day. It's kind of the end of a long week. So rocking and rolling, okay. but, but happy to be here. What's the BSV meetup like? You guys get a decent crowd over there? Uh, we usually get uh, about a dozen people, like a dozen regulars, and then – Probably another half dozen sort of randoms will will sort of cycle through, but uh, there's quite a bit of uh, BSV related development development groups and companies all in uh, Palm Beach and Broward County, and then actually now Handcash, uh, like the premier wallet on BSV, just opened an office in like proper Miami as well. So there's quite a bit going on down here. Uh, I'd say, gosh, it's got to be seven or eight businesses registered in uh, in South Florida. That are all BSV related, you're saying? That are BSV specific, yeah. Okay. So like wallets, token development, um, a lot of open open protocol stuff like R and D. Uh, a couple of mining companies, like my mining pool, is registered down here as well. So yeah. 
Cool, man. I, you know, I got, I got to admit, I really have not paid attention to the BSV thing much at all. You know, obviously seeing some of the headlines uh, with Craig Wright, but I, I really haven't paid attention. So can you give, give us the, the quick and dirty on it? I mean, and, and then obviously we'll, we'll go sure. into more and more detail and uh, yep. then we'll get to topics of Monero and all, and all that jazz. But, but give sure. us the quick, the quick run. Yeah, so – yeah, no, the, the, the quickest version of the rundown is um, we basically took the Bitcoin protocol. Like, what are the rules? What are the things that made Bitcoin special? So uh, if you look at the way Bitcoin was released in 2009, it was uh, it had a, a four gigabyte transaction uh, limit in the stack. Uh, lots, of, lots of scripts, very, very powerful script stack for opcode use. Um, transactions that can push all kinds of data, including what the things that we would call tokens and smart contracts today. Uh, in 2014, the first uh, NFTs were released on Bitcoin. A lot of people don't realize that uh, NFTs were a Bitcoin innovation um, and that these things all got shut off in 2015 and 16. And that really kicked off what's called the Bitcoin Civil War, the scaling war. There were the people that wanted Bitcoin to be uh, scalable on-chain, layer one. It's very, very powerful system for the deployment of money, applications, smart contract, enforcement of all kinds of data integrity, identity, uh, and, and all kinds of other things. Uh, but but the BTC people wanted digital gold, um, and so we had a kinship very much with the BCH people. I, I personally ran the BCH Chicago meetup uh, from mid or, I guess, late 2017 into late 2018. Uh, a lot of us were Bitcoin cashers. Uh, and then in 2018, uh, you know, the, the Bitcoin cash at the time had a six-month hard fork period. So every six months it would be, okay, what have we learned? What do we want to improve? What do we want to do next? Uh, and in the 2018, uh, late late 2018 hard fork uh, era, uh, about half of us wanted to raise the block size limit to 128 megabytes and restore various opcodes that were inherent in the original Bitcoin. Uh, and the people that are now BCH um, basically wanted to keep the 32 megabyte block size limit, and they wanted to add uh, an opcode called OpDataSig Verify, which allowed for certain types of smart contracts uh, to be more simple to deploy on Bitcoin Cash. Uh, so then it was ultimately a split from there. Uh, and then from there, uh, BSV has been a separate network from Bitcoin Cash uh, from 2018 until today. But we have, uh, since 2020, uh, eliminated the protocol level block size limit. So the block size limit is basically whatever anybody is willing to try to push. So if you want to – like I have published transactions that are 300 megabytes, so like really complex token data, uh, data science research and development stuff. Uh, the, the practical block size limit right now is 4 gigabytes. Um, and in 4 gigabytes, that's between 2.5 and 3 million transactions per block. Uh, we've done that, and actually the pool that I run holds that world record for – uh, the largest blocks, largest consecutive blocks, largest transaction, largest scripts ever mined, largest smart contracts in a Bitcoin system, uh, and various other things. So basically, BSV is Bitcoin. It's the experiment of what was Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, Bitcoin XT, Bitcoin Classic, uh, ultimately Bitcoin Cash, and like all those things that those groups all said, hey, is this possible in Bitcoin? And BSV is saying, you know what? If it's possible, we should at least test it and see if Satoshi was right or was he crazy. And so we've kind of opened up the floodgates and we're letting uh, economic competition determine whether or not uh, that's possible. So 
that that's BSV in a nutshell. Okay. And what would you say BSV is ultimately trying to be? Like, what, what's its value proposition? Um, so I, I think that. I think the summary, like, was, was Bitcoin good when it was created? And if it was, we're the only ones trying the 2009 Bitcoin. So no, but I mean, like, what is, what is, what's the, the value proposition? What, what value is it offering society? What problem is it solving? So, okay. So any, anything that you've ever heard about a blockchain, like, uh, cheap frictionless global transactions, uh, global settlement, smart contracts, like all, all the stuff, the elevator pitches you've heard about any blockchain, BSV can do anything you've ever heard from any other blockchain, except they can do more of them for less money, period. It is the most scalable blockchain. It is a proof-of-work blockchain. Uh, you know, 100,000 transactions a second, no big deal. It doesn't matter how many uh, transactions you're talking about. There is no such thing as congestion. Uh, transactions should always be less than a penny, whether there's a billion people using it or 100 people using it, and and that's it. It's basically the limitless stack. The It is it – is, the fastest blockchain with the cheapest fees, period. No compromise, no L2, no it's going to happen in 18 months, no dude check my roadmap. That's it. It is the blockchain that's ready to go right now for any scale. And what, so, but what are just design decisions like based on? Like when there are changes made in, in Satoshi, Satoshi Vision, BSV, what are they made towards? Towards what end? What's the goal? To, just to be to be open, to be an open competitive system. You don't have to call protocol developers to say, "Hey, can we work on pushing out a node update in order for me to try to do oh. X?" So right now, the only thing stopping a the the block size limit from being ten gigabytes is is the fact that you know no, no miner has tried to do it, and then there's not enough demand currently. But I mean, I like I said, I've pushed consecutive four gigabyte blocks back to back, but. You know, if, if we were to suddenly have a, another million users that needed a blockchain right now, you know, they, they could come to us and I'd say, yeah, absolutely. We'll raise our, our block size limit. We'll buy more Internet connectivity. We'll, we'll, we'll take your business. We're ready to rock and roll. So, okay. And so, so, so digital cash, uh, you just see that as, as one use case that BSV can be used for, but it's not necessarily being designed for those purposes. It's, it's magic internet money. It, I mean, it's, it's the original Bitcoin promise. Like, if, if you need to send a penny to one person or a million people right now, you can do it. And if that penny needs to also have script logic that says, you know, what other things that it should do or what other things should be attached to it, you can do that too. So it's a very simple cash system. You can send tokenized cash on top of it, or you can use the, the BSV uh, Satoshi unit as well. Uh, and, and they're both totally viable right now. So, no, I'm all about digital cash. I, I'm a uh, big, big fan of using BSV as cash, and I'm a big fan of building tokens for specialized money that can be used as cash, too. Is anybody using it as cash? Uh, me, and my, me and my buddies are here at this meetup. <laughs> We're going to be <laughs> – I mean, we, we do it quite a bit. Uh, I, send, I send tips all the time. Uh, the hand cash wallet is a really great example of ways to send people – one cent tips or one dollar tips across uh, social media all the time. So uh, you you might see me saying, "Hey, drop your handle below a tweet," and uh, if I get thousand people to respond to a tweet with their handle, I can paste the URL of my tweet into my hand cash wallet and say, "Send everybody that responded with a handle, send them a, a penny," and it'll just do that. So I, I tip. I probably send. Oh man, probably four or five hundred thousand transactions a year. I'm doing that are just simple 
payments to people of, of things like tips or, or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, we, we use it quite a bit. Now, like, but like, why would like the average Joe user, right? Like, so the the sales pitch with Monero is it's it's actually like cash and that it, it's it's you know uh, private, right? So, like, cat when I go sure. spend my cash, nobody can see that I'm spending it. Um, but why yeah. would somebody go out of their way to use BSV? Like, if I was going to make a transaction on the internet, uh, why would I use BSV over something like Monero? Um, I, I think it, I think it depends on, on your situation. I don't have a problem with anybody that wants to use Monero. Uh, in fact, I, I was a Monero miner from, uh, 2015 to 2017. I had a pretty big GPU farm. Uh, there's a, there's pictures of, of me floating around wearing a Monero shirt on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. Say, hey, hey, what's this all about? And I'm like, well, it's, it wasn't a secret, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, uh, YBSV? The, the cheapest fees, the, the most scalability and the cheapest fees. So, sure, right now, if there's 10,000 people using each blockchain, what's the difference, right? You, you get the privacy stuff or, or whatever at the at the protocol level on Monero. But if it was 100 million people, uh, I don't know how well Monero would, would handle uh, that from a fee standpoint. I don't know what the practical minimum transaction fee and stuff becomes at that point. Yeah, I mean, with, with, uh, with dynamic block size, you know, it's similar to, you know, BSV in that respect, in that there's you know unlimited yep. block space. Uh, it just it just organically dynamically expands based on the need of the network. Sure, cool. No, that's uh, I think. I, I'm, I'm not uh, you know when I ask this question because I'm just trying to better understand BSV. Like I know I understand why I use Monero, right? Like it's it's private, untraceable digital cash. And uh, all I think all the reasons yeah. as to why that has value are obvious, but I don't understand why mm-hmm. somebody would start using BSV. Like if you were if you were going to go on on a black market or something, you were going to purchase something. Yeah. Like obviously, it wouldn't be recommended to use something like a BSV, right? Um. So so here's here's the thing. Actually, the the script stack in BSV, in my opinion, is one of the most. First of all, it's one of the least understood things in in all of blockchain is how powerful bitcoin script is uh so there's a, a developer named shawei lu uh who, who runs a company called Script, who basically creates templated uh smart contract logic that can be used in bsv uh could be used on on btc or bch uh but the scripts are too big for for both of those but uh in bsv you can actually do uh ring signatures and and uh confidential transactions you can actually uh, combine that with ZK proofs and, and, and various other things as well in the transaction. So if the marketplace was to accept payments in BSV that only conform to a standard uh, template, meaning requires uh, a ring, ring signatures and or, you know, ZK snarks or whatever else, uh, then, then it could absolutely do that. So yeah, no, I, like I, that's that's kind of the power. I, I get of, that it, of programming. Right, right. I get that theoretically it could. Yeah, right. So you're saying it's an amoeba and it could be programmed into anything. But you know, you you could say yeah. that about Ethereum. You could say that about Monero. You could say that about BTC. So the idea is what what what's at its core that's making it something useful where people would want to start programming it. And in my 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 answer to that is, you know, the censorship resistance. Like, so creating a network that can't be corrupted by governments or influenced by, you know, uh, any any outside power. 
uh, a truly sure. decentralized network. So that that is the you know the value prop. And then sure, you could figure out how to program within it, and you're going to want to use the network that is the you know the most resistant to being co-opted. But so the so then sure. why like why BSV? Is it is that one of its? Is it trying to be? Or is it doing that better than most in that it can't be, you know, easily co-opted? Sure. So, so I would, I would argue, um, you know, the, the reason that I ended up in BSV, and it was a, a bit of a circuitous journey, admittedly, but um, part of it was in, in Bitcoin BTC, uh, I, w- I was doing token-based research in, in 2015 and 16 myself because I, I had a, a token project that I wanted to create how to use other commodities as tokenized money on top of Bitcoin. Uh, and I was, I was trying to use counterparty protocol, and it was working okay. And then the opcode, the standard opcode size in Bitcoin Core was cut in half to a, uh, an amount that was unusable. Uh, and it was done pretty arbitrarily, and I think it was because so few people understood what was even happening, and most people just upgrade their node when people are told to. Uh, and so it, it broke my business model at, at that point. And I think it was 2016, if I recall. And, like, people telling me, wow, it's so decentralized, it can never change, Bitcoin's set in stone. And I'm over here saying, like, well, <laughs> I've invested, you know, about $100,000 in a token project that was built on Bitcoin. And a couple of core devs just went and made a, an arbitrary change that made it that that no longer works for me, which was really what pushed me into uh, GPU uh, infrastructure. So I started mining Ethereum and Monero. Uh, right around the same time, like uh, 2016 and, and 17 is when I, I just basically switched and said, I'm going to focus on these for a while. And I was I was super bullish on both uh, until I realized the, the limits on an Ethereum-based system. Like, Ethereum can't scale. It just is a very fundamentally flawed concept on how it even attempts to do it. Uh, but then Monero I really liked until uh, the, the way that the the fork happened in Monero that split into – like six or seven sub-variants. Uh, it was like Wow Narrow and uh, various others, like I think Monero Classic or something, but there were like five or six chains. And the thing that really ticked me off about that is that, man, I was mining that chain and, and really just some, some devs and then some, you know, quote-unquote community whose names I don't know, people I can't really communicate with, coordinated with some exchanges and said, hey, like we're going to fork and this new chain here, uh, that uses random acts and other stuff, which is cool, by the way, but um, that's Monero now. And it, it it struck me as, like, you know what? The real problem here is always going to be developer and exchange centralization because there's this notion that exchanges and developers are supposed to communicate with each other about the truth or the, the roadmap and things like that. And it was like I'm sitting here with a pretty big piece of infrastructure, a GPU mining farm, and people telling me, Oh well, you know you're the, you're the bad guy. We need random X because GPUs are bad. We don't want there to be a Monero ASIC and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm you know I've invested a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of heart into these projects. And I think dev centralization is is the singular biggest risk. And frankly, every time the devs have said, hey, I think we should change it, it just kind of happens. And so BSV. The flip side of that is, look, we're going to take away all of those protocol-level decisions. We're going to open everything up, and we're going to make whatever whatever needs to be done or whatever big ideas one has are decided by the competitive nature of proof-of-work nodes. And so that's the value prop in, in BSV is that 
if the protocol is set in stone, it takes all that power away from money, all that sort of technocratic, like maybe I don't understand because I'm not a software developer thing, and it, it, it gets rid of that, and it makes people compete, and it says, you know what? You competing for a hundred bucks with your with your Raspberry Pi node, that's a pretty cheap signal. Your opinion is a very cheap opinion. But if you're willing to mine a block, you're willing to fight in a hash war and these kind of things, maybe your opinion has a lot more value if you're willing to burn money and, and fight for it like this. And so uh for me that's what decentralization looks like. It's when the protocol can't be tinkered with because there's no reason to. There's nothing to tinker. And therefore, you know, the thing that makes it uh, makes it function is is just competition. It's just pure free market capitalism, and and that's what appeals to me about it. So that's uh, my my long response to your question. <laughs> so so you're saying BSV never made any changes to its protocol? So let's let's separate protocol from software. Uh, now software follows protocols. Protocols are implemented in software. But a protocol is, is a rule set. In 2020, BSV opened up all, they removed a bunch of stuff from consensus, things like a block size limit or a script size limit or a transaction size limit or a standard transaction template. Those things used to all be consensus. And if you broke those rules, you split. <clears throat> uh, BSV got rid of those things. And they are now uh, just open and competitive, which means that, Anything that you can do, any change you can make, is essentially a non-splitting change. There's nothing to split. And so now any changes are, are you know, it's this massive, broad thing that, that can just occur if you know how to program it into a transaction. That makes so, no, that makes, uh, that makes no sense. So you mean I can't, it's not open source, I can't go fork BSV and create my own version and slightly tweak it? But you can. It's it's open oh, source. Oh, so yeah. That, I mean, there. all those can... forks that you talked about with Monero—that's exactly what happened. It's just people didn't adopt them. You know, if I go and make, you know, Tumen SV, uh, chances are, actually, who knows? Maybe maybe be quite successful. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know. So how is the, How is your 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 protocol immune to that? I'm not understanding that. That. So. Well, it's not it. I don't. I don't know that immune. I, I don't know that I understand the the question. Like, well, because you're, you're there. Like, you can. Start you're saying that like the 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 thing that BSV is doing that no other project is capable of doing or doing is that it's staying the same. Yeah. Right. So, what so mechanism people, does it have yeah. that Monero does not have? that allows it to, quote, unquote, stay the same. I could go fork BSV, create Tumen SV, and if nobody starts using it, then nobody starts using it. I mean, I I, I still I don't understand what the nature of the question – like, I'm not saying that other I'm trying to I'm trying to understand try to how Monero <laughs> is, is, has centralized development, but BSV does not, when there's absolutely uh, nothing that differentiates the two – in how they're architected so, and developed. Okay. They're both open source blockchains that people yeah. work on. So so nobody's sure. working on the BSV chain. There's no new code ever being added. It's like it's just completely dead. There's no updates. Uh well it's not it's not done by a dev team. So like for example, I run Gorilla Pool and we have node ops teams that we make 
proprietary variations to the node that stay in consensus with the reference client. But no, the reference client doesn't really have the reference client doesn't really have anything to like. There's nothing to do to it really. So uh, at this point, it's it's various node operators are able to make their own client variations and things, but. Um, I, I, I don't know enough about Monero, so to answer that part of your question, I don't know enough about Monero development or the dev team if there's just a central repo and, like, I imagine there's a lead dev and, and a maintainer board and, you know, some of the other things. Yeah, no, Monero yeah, is very, but... very decentralized in terms of its its development. A lot of the devs are actually anonymous. Um, there's sure. a maintainer. Obviously, you need somebody who can, you know, make the commits. Um but yeah, I imagine BSV has the same open source architecture, correct? Kind of, yeah. So there, there is a there is a BSV reference client repo, but it's you know people actually criticize, like, oh, it's a dead project. Nobody's even made a pull request in you know eighty days or something, and it's like um, they they see that as some kind of negative, but. Uh, like I said, for example, my pool runs a, a customized reference client. I know for a fact that two or three of the other major pools also do their own private repo. Like the only thing that matters is that we stay in consensus, but we're running things that that uh, conform more to our business model, like what we're trying to sell. And so, like, there's there's really not a lead maintainer. Like, I mean, my my company has a maintainer for the node that we operate, but uh, it's just it's just different. It's it's fundamentally um, so we we see Bitcoin and and BSV is what I mean by Bitcoin in this context as uh, like a protocol sort of like the internet stack, and we see our company Gorilla Pool sort of the way that you might think of Comcast or Verizon or AT and T, and I see the other mining pools as our competitors. Like we're ISPs that are all supporting an open protocol. Uh, internet essentially, so we're we're just competing on different sorts of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just don't see how that's different than Monero, like those aspects that you're talking about. Well, like I said, I don't know enough about uh, Monero's development in the last four or five years to know, uh, like how many transactions per second, for example, that Monero is capable of, or what kind of higher level script uh, ability there is in in the protocol, but. I, I think if if Monero is just trying to be a transactional cash, that's a that's a good thing. And if it doesn't ever have to get more complicated than that, or you don't intend for it to be any more than just that, then there's probably not much to do in that regard either. I think um, when we have people up in the Q and A, we could get more into that topic of understanding how uh, BSV is is resistant to being upgraded. Because I'm just not fully grasping how that how that differs from from Monero. So, okay, I'll give you I'll give you a, a tangential example. There's been two groups that have made uh, made their own blockchain based on BSV technology. One was called Novo, uh, and the other one was called Radiant. Um, both are still, you know, they exist, uh, and both make some pretty minor changes to the way that some of the scripts work. I think basically both of them added. Uh, one or two opcodes each that they thought would make it easier to do uh, a thing called minor validated tokens. But, um, but yeah, so like you can fork the repo and create a new network. Like that's not a, it's not an impossible thing to do, but it's, nobody's arguing that those things are BSV though. Like BSV is, it's about 
continuancy. Like hard money doesn't change. Right, which is um, like Monero. Like yeah. I don't like the the people that stayed with Monero are still with Monero. They didn't go to Monero original or whatever the other ones were. You know, like so. Just yeah, but it was the same but it was exact like the random X the random X version of Monero was was airdropped. Like I mined the original Monero from twenty uh I think early twenty sixteen until after the the split when it was when random X was added. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm still mining a, a chain that is unchanged. In my opinion, that is Monero. Right, and, you, and just because you, people's opinions change, right. like that's People's opinions about gold can change, but it doesn't change gold. And I think that that's really important. Sure, it does. And, if everybody and... stopped viewing gold as gold, it would no longer be used for money purposes. Oh, I do not like that. In, in my opinion, the truth is the truth. Even if nobody likes it or nobody knows it, it doesn't change. Right, but it's people's opinions that determine whether or not they, they use something. Yeah, but it doesn't change the nature of the thing. So everybody can decide that gold is bad, but gold does not cease to be gold. But the, the thing in this case is digital cash, and people are deciding what digital cash is. Yes, but if something's going to be... So a, the, a, the constant is the concept itself, which is digital cash. So that's the constant. And then people are trying to figure out which embodies that constant. I, I would say it's an unbroken set of rules. I think the longest contiguous unbroken set of rules is the thing that is most likely to be accepted as money over time, which is why gold is the thing that is accepted most over time. It is easy to verify that gold has not been fiddled with, uh, and therefore gold is accepted as money you know, for the longest amount of time over other kinds of money globally. And you know, the, like, there's a reason that matters. Okay, I'm just trying to f fully understand then so how you're viewing crypto. So do you not think that the market is ultimately going to decide which protocols are used? You think it's like sure. it's kind of a given already? Like it's like, um, you know, manifest destiny? Like we already, like it's BSV because of some reason, because it's was yep. created first and it doesn't change. So therefore it's 100%. BSV that will be, uh, you know, digital so digital over, gold. Over time, so uh, I'm not I'm not talking about digital gold per se, but the point is is that over time, it's it's about the ability to trust that a transact like maybe I create an unsigned transaction today that is valid today that is set to be redeemed in 25 years. Now, if I would have done that, like there are ways I could have done that in BTC in 20. 16 and they are invalid today so i could have i could have done an offline transaction on bitcoin in 2016 and attempt to redeem it today and if i used certain op codes most namely uh an nlock time it could be invalid today and so like i would argue that that then indicates that it is a soft money protocol and if the protocol of money if money is a popularity contest then I, I would argue that it's simply that is a fiat currency of an oligarchy. And it might be a large oligarchy. Maybe it's a few thousand people who decide, but it's still money that can change is fiat. And then it becomes, it, it puts itself in the position to be uh, beholden to politics. And then you start creating factions, you know, and then it's, you know, what, what have we solved? Like 
hard money is hard money. Like the truth is the truth. And if, if it can change, that's you've, you've already introduced all the risk necessary for it to just be just completely fall apart. So you think, okay, money is money. Hard money is hard money. BSV is the best form of hard money, but it doesn't necessarily mean people will adopt it is what you're saying, but it will only, always truly be hard money. Yes, 100%. And it's it's better than BTC, it's better than Monero. It's like the the most ultimate form of hard money. It it is the only blockchain currency that I am aware of that does not need to change. And if someone creates one right now, it is several years behind in setting that provenance of an unchanged currency. And so that's that's what matters. It's it is Staying power and trustworthiness over time, that matters. Okay, but even though everybody on the dark market chooses Monero over something like BSV, that, that doesn't matter because they just, what? I don't know. How, how is that, that not matter in determining what the truest form of digital cash is? So, <clears throat> so I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a political question. It's, it's the same thing right now. Like, um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, multiple different vectors of, of currency existing. I think of Monero the same way that I think of like pirate radio. And I say this as someone who has participated in pirate radio. I've been a uh, radio personality since 2003. Uh, and I have done uh, a little bit of some pirate radio work. And it's cool. It's a protest. I think it's a thing that matters. But I don't think it will ever uh, be any bigger than, you know, something like a, a a social resistance uh, used by a small group of people uh, in a niche use case, because otherwise, um, you know, the things that make Monero powerful for, you know, dark web commerce make it untenable for, for global economic currency. Like it doesn't conform to any other standards. So I don't, I don't see how it could ever get a foothold uh, in any kind of commerce that would need, need to be audited. uh, At least not the last time I looked at Monero. Yeah, it can be audited, man. I don't see why, why couldn't it be used for global commerce? What's the, the logic? Well, I mean, confidential confidential transactions already violate, like, AML laws. And if, if you violate AML laws, you can only do business in certain jurisdictions, and you can't broach those jurisdictions. And even if you generate a transaction where you can prove some of its provenance, like that – that's, you can't cross borders. There's all there's all kinds of problems with beginning to get it adopted. So wait, now, now, you're, now you're talking about. So you're saying these things should be designed to conform to to state regulations. I don't know of a corporation that doesn't have to follow its compliance laws in order to do business with a payment system or a currency. And so I don't know how it ever gets a foothold. I mean, when when, when, Air, when Airbnb was created, it was considered illegal at points in time for many, and then the market adjusted. Uber, the same thing, and then the markets adjusted. So don't don't the markets and corporations and everybody adjust to these new technologies? So if you create some technology that's resistant to regulations, won't the market? Uh, change around well, it if there's if the if there's a need for this technology. I mean, 
So Air, Airbnb and Uber are really good examples of, of the power of hundreds of millions of dollars of lobbying and understanding that if you start in a gray market and grease the right skids and line the right pockets, you can kind of make it work. Now, I'm not saying that that can't happen in Monero, but I am curious who in Monero is is paying for lobbyists to do such a thing. I mean, it will, it will just but, naturally arise, right? So if, if, if as the network gets, gets larger and people use it, that the money from the network will be used to subsidize, you know, changing regulation. That's, I mean, we've already seen this happen with Bitcoin. I, so, well, see, I don't know if we've actually seen that happen with Bitcoin either. And actually, I would argue that it, it has happened more with Bitcoin than it's happened with Monero, but it also hasn't really happened at any practical level that I would say is like a big victory. Uh, and, and I was an advocate five years ago who would have said, man, in 2023, for sure, we're going to be, <laughs> you know, over a bunch of these adoption curve humps. And frankly, we're just not like people are not using these things largely. Uh, you know, how many, how many transactions a day does Monero have on it? Is it, is it millions? Is it hundreds of thousands? Like what's, what's the volume like? Do you know? It's, uh, like a tenth of bitcoins. Transaction count and is, oh, it's and it's growing, you know, every day. Yeah. Is, is that in is that in like value transferred or isn't that in total transactions? I'm no, just, that's I'm curious. That's, if you know, that's in, no, we don't know the value. For all we know, the value is you know fifty percent of bitcoins uh, being transacted every day. Um, just talking about in terms sure. of transaction count. Um, so I, I want to go back to this. So this is so. Are, are you are you? saying that when bitcoin was designed it wasn't created by cypherpunks no actually i think it's crystal clear that satoshi nakamoto was not a cypherpunk okay. uh, in fact i just i just wrote a very long article about all the reasons hal finney is not satoshi i have spent the last month rereading every single word that hal ever had with satoshi or ever said about bitcoin in any of the forums or any of his emails i think it is so clear in fact hal and, and various others were very, very critical of Satoshi for both his ideas about money and his ideas about cryptography and digital cash in general. I think they were very upset that he was not a cypherpunk like them. Um, so if anybody wants to see it, I, I, I just published uh, two days ago uh, about Hal Finney, and there's a lot of examples of Hal criticizing Satoshi's use of cryptography uh, and his notions about the way that uh, the entire network should work. And so, no, I, I think it's very clear that uh, people want to treat Satoshi like he was a cypherpunk, but uh, Satoshi criticized the cypherpunks. In fact, his closing farewell message to Gavin Andreessen was a very deliberate, him saying, stop treating me as a shadowy figure and stop treating Bitcoin as shadowy money. It is a bad thing and it will hurt adoption. And, I, I got to uh, say, man, I, I'm, yeah. I'm disliking Bitcoin more than ever, if that's if that's true. <laughs> and I, I made the right decision when I moved to Monero. I mean, me philosophically, I, I align with the cypherpunks. So, so you don't so you don't align with the, the vision, the philosophy of, of cypherpunks. You're you're rooting for BSV, which is what is the philosophy there that there's just this like this ultimate truth machine that can explain it to me. So I, I have been a libertarian activist for 20 years. Uh, I, I volunteered in both of Ron Paul's presidential campaigns. I've written for anarchist uh, newspapers. I, I've had 
uh, pen name, have gone to rallies for for you know since since college. I am a I am a hardline libertarian. Uh, this is what got me into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, for me, pro- protest money, protest for the sake of protest. Uh, I, I decided several years ago after dedicating a large chunk of my life to it and realizing that the most valuable things that I have done for liberty have been when I have focused on business. And when I focus on bringing people into ways that make them more competitive and more efficient and to understand the business process and capitalism by experiencing it. So, so many, so many people that are, are libertarians in theory, but spend their time writing books and debating and philosophizing and they live the life of a socialist. Like they're living off of donations and they're living with their parents well into their thirties and forties. You know, and I'm looking at them and saying, you know what? This isn't. This isn't the 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 world that I want to live in, where people are are just bickering about about liberty. Like we should be living in a world, basically, uh, you know, Galt Gulch to a degree is is the kind of thing that I don't want to escape to. It's the kind of thing that I want to build here and now, so that the world doesn't turn into the dystopia uh, that that the people in Atlas Shrugged were trying to escape. And so for me, that requires a global frictionless currency that is extremely flexible and that is so easy to use that you can't not use it. You'd be a fool not to benefit from the power that it gives you. So that's, that's but my I, 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 would, I would be a, you'd agree. You'd be a fool to use it on a dark market, right? Well, it, at, at this point, you know, I look at dark, dark market commerce and I, I see, very little actual value that's being created in, in, in dark markets. Like, how is this aligned with your liberty? I'm just trying to understand. I can't understand you, man. I'm trying to understand you. I, I hope I'm not coming across as uh, I think if we were doing this in person, it'd be better. I'm just sure. really no, trying no, no, to understand your means. philosophy and, and how no. it all, all aligns. Cause I mean, is it, isn't that the ultimate free market? The ultimate Agora? Isn't that like the libertarian sure. I, I nature at its, be, at its best? Is a, a pure free market where I don't, I don't have a problem if, if you want to do any drugs or buy any weapons or, you know, if you want to, if you want to do heroin and drive a tank down the street, as long as you don't hurt anybody, I don't care. But yeah, or maybe, also, maybe you just want to, you know, buy, uh, grass-fed meat with your, you know, with Absolutely. your raw, right. raw milk, sure, raw milk, right. quail eggs, and all that. I, 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 I'm, I'm for it. I'm all about it. But focusing on those things as the focus of your economic activity is never going to leave the niche. You are never, we are never going to have a libertarian world if, if the things that we're focusing on are isn't that, that. Isn't that the most basic form of economic activity? That's people actually yes. using it for, for living. Means. Do it, but advocating for like showing up on a street corner and talking about raw milk and hard drugs is you are not going to convince normal people of that. Not, no, not- wait, wait, wait. Now I'm losing you. I'm losing you. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like it's it's just it's just proof that you know that's what the market is using for for purposes where it actually wants to use digital cash. And, and you're you're a libertarian. You're saying you want the you know the market to choose, and you want capitalisms, and you want you want frictionless money. I mean, isn't the ultimate form of frictionless money a, a form of money that doesn't have a history attached to every transaction, where you know now there is friction because each transaction can be interpreted differently? 
It's just, I just not, I'm not following the logic. So Take me there. Take me fun- there. Fungibility can only exist in two scenarios, and that is if you have absolutely perfect privacy or you have absolutely perfect proof of everywhere your money has been. So for me, I look at it and say that I would rather have, you know, somebody pulls me over with Monero and I can't tell them where my money came from. But the presumption is, well, if it's Monero, what are you, what are you doing with the Monero, right? Whereas if I'm pulled over with Bitcoin, specifically BSV, but this actually applies to, to most Bitcoin in most situations, that I can say, look, maybe this was used, maybe this was Silk Road money, but I bought it from Coinbase. And I'm good. I'm all, I can prove that I am the good guy in this situation. And so, fun you've, ju- you've just described friction. <laughs> friction exists in the real world. The money itself should I've not. I've described a system that doesn't have friction because these questions wouldn't even exist because they can't, they can't be researched. There's, you know, there's, there's no tracing companies right, from right there. Now, there's no their, ability in, to, to investigate somebody's coins and even ask them where they came from. Okay. That, right that's now, friction. in most of the country, if somebody pulls you over with over a certain amount of U.S. dollars in cash, they can confiscate that cash under the presumption that it's used for crime just because of how much cash it is. Now, if that can apply to U.S. dollars, that can apply to Monero. But with Bitcoin, I can I can prove that it is not the proceeds of crime. I cannot do that with physical cash, and I cannot do that with Monero. That is a crucial point, that I can absolutely prove how I got every single Bitcoin that I got. That is a very important thing to be able to do in a system where people want to try to make the case that you're a criminal and, and you are just trying to hope that there's plausible deniability. This is actually a major, major problem right now with physical cash is that people get it confiscated from themselves and they can't afford to fight to get their cash back and they just have to give it up because of the complications of it. So, no, I, I don't think Monero solves that problem at all. I think it is just as much a problem for Monero as it is for physical cash right now. And those limits are low. It's only like a 1000 bucks cash. So, so you don't think fungibility is a criteria for money? I don't think fungibility exists in Monero the way that Monero advocates think that it does. If you cannot prove where your money came from, how can how, you? Say how do I? Like, how do I? How do I prove where my gold came from? How do I prove where my my diamonds came from? You, well, <laughs> maybe with paperwork of attestation, but but you really can't, and it's the same thing. You get pulled over with $10,000 worth of gold coins. The police are going to do the exact same thing to you. To say, what the hell is this? Where are you going? Who are you doing business with? They're going to throw you in a cell and they're going to, you know, <laughs> they're going to hold on to your money under the assumption that the money is the criminal. Like this is a, this is a big problem. So with our you don't, you don't think people should be able to own property that, that states can't? take away from them no 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 don't don't get me wrong i think we should we do not currently have that in the united states and so talking about whether or not we should is irrelevant if that's the world that you want we again we need to be fighting that at at the legal level this can be protest this should be lobbyists this should be us calling but you don't think it should be built into the technology trying to create censorship resistant unconfiscatable money 
You don't think it, you don't think it should be programmed into the technology? Wanna, okay. Is it is it better to be a martyr or is it better to win? No, I'm just trying. Uh, I'm trying to understand your 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 take on that. I think I think the position that you seem to be advocating for turns you into a martyr, and I'm not interested in being a martyr. I am interested in winning the the victory both from a policy standpoint and from a cultural standpoint, so that we can live in a world that is actually free rather than me living, you know, right on the razor's edge of the law and not sure if I'm going to get my teeth kicked in if I get pulled over because I'm kind of this gray market guy. Like, I don't want to be Adam Kokesh and end up in prison because, you know, I was a, I was a, a, a killer protester. I respect him for it. I think it was honorable. I think it was noble. But I do not think that that is the way to change things for the better. I think it's a I, – I, I just think that it's a bad idea. I think it is clearly ineffective. So you think Bitcoin should be completely friendly to the state. So it works in conjunction with the no, state. It's, it's, it's not, it's it's not it meant to be neutral. It's, it's not meant to disrupt the state. No, it is meant to disrupt the state, but it disrupts the state by forcing neutrality. Like it must be neutral. And in order for it to be neutral, it needs to not be illegal because of some way that it's designed technically. Because if, if you're just yeah, but who, who decides money, why? So who decides what? I mean, laws always change, man. Sentiments always change. The Constitution itself changes. There was a time when we didn't have one. Society develops, and it develops around ideas and concepts and technologies. So you're saying technology should be just solely designed around current current law, not around ethics. It's it's neutral to both. Bitcoin is fundamentally neutral to law and ethics. That is the point. The point is that it does not. It is not in and of itself a protest. What can be done with it can be a protest. And I would advocate for that. Build a business that can't be built with any other technology. If you do that, and, and actually this goes back to your Uber point, building Uber, the reason that Uber still exists is Uber created a net growth in economic value. Like average people, mom and pop said, okay, this was weird, but now I've done it a couple of times and I see the value in Uber. Uber is ultimately a bad thing. It's very silly that this would be illegal and therefore it became not illegal. But when you start with something, not gray market, when you start with something that is clearly uh, 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 you know, thumbing, thumbing your, uh, thumbing your nose at the law, like that. Monero, Monero is completely gray market, man. It's it's cash. That's like there's more, you know, there's more crime, way more crime that's committed with cash than Monero. It's just it's just a technology for transacting. I, I it's I it, it wasn't created for purposes of committing crimes. It was created for purposes of sending transactions with privacy. And I mean, and one thing obviously we didn't, we didn't touch upon either is the fact that you could you can opt in and you know show your transactions. It's just not visible by default. So it's similar to the fact that you know the government can't just walk into my home. You, they 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 need to get a warrant. Sure. Uh, so you don't believe in the concept of warrants that you know so government should just be able to view into your transactions without any without any due process bitcoin is bitcoin is fundamentally a privacy technology 
Okay, Bitcoin is cash. Now, the way that the way that you can program a wallet, and actually the hand cash wallet that I mentioned earlier does do this this way, is if I send you a dollar, it's not just going to send from one address to one address. What it's going to do is going to split that dollar up into, let's just say, 15 uh, randomized numbers, and it's going to send them uh, from 15 wallets in, in 15 outputs. And so with those, it obfuscates what the total source of my funds are. Uh, and also, like, the way that I store my – like, I don't just have, like, a Bitcoin pay-to-public-key hash that's got a bunch of Bitcoins in it. I have – God, I probably – I don't even know. I probably have tens of thousands of wallets that have pennies all in them. That equals whatever it is that, you know, that is my total stash. So, so no, I think privacy privacy is crucial, but privacy and anonymity are not the same thing. And I, I think that that's – I think those two things are being conflated there, is that privacy itself has to do with, you know, what I'm allowed to do in, in my privacy, whereas anonymity has to do with removing identity and the ability to attest to the truth while trying to do something in public and 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 those are i mean you can you can use they are different things they're they're different and anonymity gives you privacy um you can you can use uh bsv anonymously so it's not it's not resistant to that because you seem to be saying that you think privacy good anonymity bad not not as philosophical principles, but in in the protocol, like at the level of the ledger, the ledger itself, it is very important that the ledger itself is public for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is compliance and things, which are very relevant to business adoption, but also for the sake of its use. I got a party. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry, very large mo- motorcycle. Um, no worries, <laughs> but but the but also for the sake of its use as a as a data ledger to do all kinds of things, like I said, smart contracts and tokens and some of these other things also require a public ledger, and you know to hamper those things just just because, you know I'm not a I I don't like the trade off, but like I said, I like the fact that Monero exists. I'm not I'm not saying Monero bad. I I have not once said Monero bad. Um, I, but I just don't think that Monero, with the decisions that are made with it, can ever be any more than a niche, and that's fine. I, I can have some Monero, and when occasionally I feel like using it, I can do that. But during the day, I want to be able to use BSV, you know, attestation protocols and logins and and wait, 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 wait. But, but, but why why can Monero only ever be niche? Because it has anonymity built into it. Because the because the ledger itself isn't public, and that makes it it is it has a, it for, has a public ledger it has a public ledger. But you can't trace you can't trace the transaction history. Can can you deploy tokens on layer one? But on why, why is tracing the transaction history critical? Well, because you have to you have to have an attestation. So, for example, like tokens, when you issue a token, but like we said, you can't trace the transaction history of of gold. But gold exists, and it provides a use case. A global one. It's globally adopted. It's more, way more globally adopted than yeah. Bitcoin and BSV. And you're so, arguing that something that does that in digital form 
won't won't also be globally adopted. Are, are there tokens on Monero? Is that a thing that can exist on Monero? Sure, there's there's some way it can be done. But but do they exist or is it just theoretical? What do you mean tokens? Can somebody like create so, N- so NFTs I... on Monero? Non fungible okay. tokens? Well, yeah, sure. Like, is that possible? Uh, yeah, in a workaround way. There's no easy way to do it, but sure, okay. it's possible. Okay. So, an example, uh, maybe not with NFT, but let's let's just say NFTs. NFTs are fine. So let's say that I want to use the blockchain and issue an NFT every time that a car is manufactured and every time something happens to that car, like an oil change. Say, okay, first oil change was done at 4,000 miles. Here's the tech that changed the oil. That updates the state of my NFT. And then the attestation of all the different things that were done to my car, its mileage, who the tech was, and all these other things, give my car a spot price that isn't determined by Carfax and Carvana and all these other things, allows me to sell my car on the open market using Bitcoin without the silos of things like Carfax or whatever else, which are data silos that we don't understand and we we have to trust because proprietary and blah, blah, blah. I would rather trust a global public ledger that can't be tampered with, and if it is somebody attempts to tamper with, the attempt is seen, and that allows me to reduce the friction of car sales globally such that Cars can be a little bit cheaper. We can do yeah, a little yeah, more yeah, but, but hold up, but hold up. The, the, the whole gold thing, though, right? Gold exists. You can't fundamentally trace gold. There's no way to know its its history. But you're saying the digital form of gold needs to be traceable. Gold, gold isn't attempting to be a network of transactional value. So it's just that we're, but it we're is. talking about. But it isn't. It is a physical commodity. There's a network of transactional, right? And in, in, in a network, they, they trade gold, right? That gold is, is has has value as a transactional currency and as store of value, more so than BSV, more so than Bitcoin. So you're saying that's just that's just a broken model. It's just what was done because of what we had at the time and this the entire concept of of gold will go away, even in digital form. So there won't be such thing as a fungible, untraceable digital gold. It will always be niche. The world won't want that. I think that that niche is currently filled by gold. And therefore, if we're going to do something more interesting than what gold is inherently capable of doing, then we should focus on doing the things that gold doesn't do. Like, currently, wealthy people don't have a problem procuring gray and black market goods by any means, really. And so, so what are yeah, we but actually they, they talking do, about? They do have a, a problem storing gold and sending, you know, billions of dollars of worth of, of it around the world in the, in the click of a button. Like, there's, there's no easy way to do that. So why not improve gold, gold 2.0? Cash 2.0. I, I've just always thought that that's crazy. Gold is gold, <laughs> and Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Like, sure, Bitcoin. no, gold, gold will still be gold. But you're, you're saying, I'm surprised that you don't think there's a, a use case for the digital form of I gold think, and I cash. That, and when I say so gold I think, and cash, when I say gold, I'm also saying cash. 
And I think we have different ideas of what you're saying cash needs to be completely traceable. I'm saying it needs to be completely untraceable. Maybe there's two versions that, that end up getting adopted, uh, the traceable version and the untraceable version. But you're saying the untraceable version will always be very niche. Where at, although in reality, we see gold as being the most, one of the, if not the most popular way to, to store your wealth, and it happens to be untraceable. So you're saying humans will no longer desire that, well, that, first that of all, component. So there's, so there's actually, there's a lot of red herrings there. Like gold is traceable. Gold is very typically serialized and it goes through the hands of numismatic experts that give all kinds of, like this is a specific coin. In fact, gold it's... bars are very typical serialized. And then when they enter, there's like atomic work that is done to, you know, if you send a bar of gold in, that's worth a lot of money. They do atomic testing. They can tell an individual bar of gold from any other individual bar of gold. But that's great for store value, but it is not great for transaction. And I think if there's one thing that has been uh, extremely clear over the last 10 years is that, you know, with things like Venmo and PayPal and Zelle and all these things is that people don't actually care very much about anonymity. Like, people haven't even adopted Bitcoin, like Bitcoin BTC is the thing that is most used in dark markets, but it's still not used a whole lot. And it's just like this, this, it's clearly a niche. We are, you know, 2009 to 2013, like we're at 13 or 14 years right now of saying, Hey, I think this is important. I think the market is clearly saying we don't really care very much about that use case. Like some do. What do you, what do you mean? The dark markets are, are growing. Nobody would have thought. That Silk Road, once it got eliminated, or, you know, many would not have thought that after Silk Road ended, that dark markets would come back and be bigger than ever. But that's, that's what yeah, but they're, they're, the market but is showing us. But they're still not big. Like, I, I'm they're, frankly they're, shocked to hear that you think that they are any more than a niche. They're growing. Yeah, but growing from what to what? I mean, a move from 100 users to 200 users globally looks like a lot of use as a percentage, but ultimately it is it is a very small market and has stayed very small for more than a decade. Like this is not this is not a sweeping global change in economic thought. Right, but the, the the sweeping global change is when people realize they can they can also use this untraceable currency in their you know non-black market activities. Because there's a lot of value that comes with doing that. That's that's the transition that will take place. I don't know, man. I, I think you're. I think you're <laughs> so let me let me, let me let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So you you're do you only hold and use BSV, or you, you said you like Monero? So do you also what are, what are the cryptos that you use and hold? I so I don't I don't talk about. Uh, any of that for two reasons. One, uh, I think anything that I say could be misconstrued as investment advice. Uh, and secondarily, well, I mean, uh, you've been talking, you've been talking about BSV, like it's going to be the one and only thing. Like, so you've already, you already broached that line. I wouldn't worry about that. I think but, if, if we are talking about exceptional technology, talking about BSV is the same way as talking about something like 5G versus 3G. Like it is just fundamentally faster and does all the things that the other can do, but faster. Wow, dude, you are starting to really sound like you're full of shit now. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> so wait, you could you could shill BSV, 
but you can't mention any other cryptos because that would be shilling. Well, I'm not, I, I'll talk about the, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> because talking BSB about the is fundamentally some different kind of tech. That is, BSB you're good, still, man. You're good. You're good. BSV, here's the thing. BSV is just as valuable if each coin is worth $1 as if they're worth $100. It doesn't right. make a difference because so I'm, I'm not talking about that. So you're, so you don't use any other cryptos? Uh, other than for research and development and things, no. And things, okay. So you, <laughs> you don't make transactions with any other cryptos? Uh, so at my company, we we probably do between fifty dollars and $100,000 a month in USDC uh, payments. But that's largely, it's because we're in the mining business, so we pay pay for ASICs, infrastructure, and power primarily using USDC. Mm. But but otherwise, no, not really. So what would you say to, like, the, the libertarian crowd? I mean, there, there's um, – or actually, you know, the Anarcho-Poco. Do you ever go to Anarcho-Poco? Uh, I have not gone. I've, I've wanted to go, and I have had either uh, a child being born or I have been ill or whatever, and I have never made it. It's interesting because I see at Anarchopoco there's there's a lot of Monero people and then yep. there's also like a BSV crowd there. Sure. So yeah, well, what do you? How would you explain that? Like, why do you? Why do you think that's, you know, so happening? So BSV and Monero are are both exceptional technologies. So one one thing that I really like about Monero is that it is absolutely a a unique blockchain. Like the like if, you know if you you go read the crypto note white paper by by Saberhagen, and you look at the way that it's actually implemented. It's a it's a brilliant piece of of cryptographic technology. So, um, I, I think that it stands out as something that is very important. And then you have the anonymity minded uh, libertarian crowd that that obviously is going to gravitate towards something like that. But then secondarily, you've got BSV, which is also Again, it's exceptional in that it is the only blockchain that doesn't have protocol-level limits on all kinds of things, and therefore, uh, it's a really great, you know, white market, uh, you know, ec economic tool, or at least it is in theory. And so, those are those are two basic groups of people. And frankly, that's when I think of libertarians, I either think of the, you know, the hooded cypherpunk, or I think of the the shrewd libertarian businessman in a suit. And like that's, I think really that's what what Monero and BSV represent. Uh, as as two sides of of that that libertarian thought with those two things, so that's that's my guess as to why there those would be the most represented communities, anyways. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's interesting. So then, so do you see that being the future? Is that is is that the type of world we're going to live in, where you know there'll be a percentage of true BSV users and a percentage of Monero users, or what's the future of crypto look like? I know you said. BSV is like the one true, but not necessarily people will adopt it. But even if they don't, it will still be the one true. But so what's your prediction of what so, the future of crypto will look like? So I think almost every, I mean, 99% of everything in the blockchain space is copy and paste of everything else. So like there's some other trimmings, obviously. But if you look at like all of these EVM based machines, like they're, they're essentially forks of Ethereum an added thing or two, you know, to, to make it do some other thing. But but fundamentally, they're not different. Uh, then the other thing is obviously Bitcoin forks, and those include 
you know, things like Litecoin or, or Digibyte or Dash or, you know, some of these other things that exist out there. But um, <clears throat> those those exist, but but they're redundant. They're just as redundant as the Ethereum uh, forks and, and, and copies. So you look at that and say, okay, why the hell would we need <laughs> more than one or two of anything? If, if you look at uh, a concept uh, called Pareto distribution, it's that everything is essentially – you know, 80% of everybody goes to to the one big best thing, and then, like, whatever, 18% go to the second best, and then the 2% are a smattering of niche communities. And and that's just how things work out. We don't know why that that's how they work out, but uh, all economic study on human behavior shows that Pareto distribution is how most things shake out, and that's in technology, that's in culture, that's in all kinds of things. So... What BSV is trying to be is the underlying fixed protocol of everything, much like the Internet. The Internet stack doesn't change. You can build some new thing on top of it, like CSS largely replaced HTML, uh, but, but the Internet stack underneath it didn't change. And the, But that's the reason why the higher-level stack has been able to, to grow and flourish, and, and we've benefited from that tremendously. And so uh, every time there's a hard fork at the protocol level, everybody's got to retool their wallets. Everybody's got to change all kinds of things. And and so that that is a reset of the culture and is a reset of whatever uh, whatever you know road that you've put behind you of trustworthiness. And so the idea for BSB is is to truly integrate with the internet itself. It has become the money of both in person and internet transactions, but also all kinds of other things. If I want to lock and unlock my house with with my keys if i want uh you know all kinds of you know ownership items and, and just everything all on the blockchain and it, you know so that it can't be corrupted can't be all right hated. so so in what in 10 10 20, 20 years what does crypto look like i think there's probably five blockchains and 80 plus percent of all economic activity will happen on the biggest one and what are the what do you see as the other ones doing Niche, niche community. I think that there's, uh, I, I frankly see the world running primarily on BSV. I think Monero is probably a good uh, number three. I think number two will be an attempt at some uh, variation on the same technology, which is just Bitcoin technology. But I see, I see Monero as as being primarily good for 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 embarrassing business or illegal business. And that's fine. I think that that will always have a niche, but I don't think it'll be bigger than a niche. <laughs> you're, you're so, and 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 what what does crypto's impact on the state look like then? So, if if the the most adopted crypto is this perfectly traceable, transparent ledger um, that is synonymous, but as obviously as people use it and onboard, their their identities will be attached to their crypto, what then does the world look like? Is it, uh, what's what's the utopian uh, version of that? Because I just see dystopia in that. In that uh, well, so when I think of transparency uh, and knowing, you know, having the ability to attest to all global data, if, if you consider the fact that the most heinous crimes both by uh, from a behavioral standpoint and in total dollar value that happen across the world, most of those things actually occur by 
governments or surrogates of the governments, large international corporations and, and various things that are, are doing business closely with the government, the, the war machine, and all those other things. Now, imagine if the world, if the liquidity of the U.S. dollar were to lose some serious ground to an open global ledger, and then all of a sudden you're your shell companies and your and your your various including the US government and major governments are like shoot we have to do business in this for reasons of liquidity and that requires us to have to rethink the way that we do all kinds of things i i think that we become the virus that forces people to do uh to to do things better uh, if we can audit forever, if if they can audit us and we can audit them, all of a sudden our relationship be, becomes much more on the same level than it is today. And I think that that's a very but, good thing. I mean, but th- doesn't this give them a, an immense amount of power, this ability to perfectly surveil society? No, it gives me an immense amount of power to surveil them. If you If you create a highly liquid anonymous money – Who's gonna like? Who's gonna use it more than the CIA? I mean, think about that. Like, who who would use if you had a right? So so we know we know and... that's go, that's going to exist anyway, right? So the CIA is gonna figure out how to obfuscate. Now. We'll figure out how reduces... to obfuscate their transactions, but the rest of society is gonna be surveilled by the state actors who no, obviously if... have an unfair advantage Monero, given the amount of technology and resources they have. And so Monero, they'll have more asymmetric power over no. the people because they'll if, be able to better surveil and control the chain more than any individual. If Monero became – if Monero had the global liquidity of a mid-sized country – I think the world becomes a very, very dangerous place because the people who will use it the most are going to be warlords and international human traffickers and the rogue elements of global intelligence agencies. So and, you're, and- you're, you're okay with complete mass surveillance of society? No, privacy is inherent in Bitcoin, but anonymity, but we just we just we just talked about anonymity. so you don't think in, in in the future as things progress there's going to be connections made be- between people's identity and their and their BSV wallets so chain think, analysis I, I think, won't exist. No, I I think that it will exist. I think that and then I, so over time they're not going to gain more knowledge and understanding of who's using yeah, we, the network. We gain it. We gain it on them at the same speed. It, this is this is the problem. This isn't theoretical. This isn't a theoretical. Hey, are we going to live in a surveillance economy? We currently live in a surveillance economy that we do not understand and have no tools to audit. So what I'm saying is, is that if we have a global public attestation of these things that me and you can audit just as well as they can audit, that finally puts us on equal footing. Monero makes it worse if it becomes highly liquid. Like, we we currently live in that dystopia, and Monero makes it worse. Like, it makes the most powerful people more able to do more rotten business with less accountability than they have today. That's a big problem. So you just really don't believe in, in, in the concept of encryption giving people liberty in the digital age? No, I, I believe that giving people liberty is placing us on proper footing. Like, we're not, we're not starting in a vacuum. Like, if I was starting human culture from a certain point, maybe I would make different decisions. 
but I have to be practical about where we are and where we're going to go right now. Like, let's assume who, who, who will be the first people to track and trace transactions on BSV? Will it, it be all, it individuals exists. tracking government's transactions or will it be government tracking individuals' transactions? It, it already exists, both directions. It's already there. We live in that world. No, it's it's governments tracking individuals' transactions. It's already happening. I, I, I run a mining pool with, with multiple massive data sets and chain analysis tools myself. This exists. All right. <laughs> Kurt, I think I think uh, we will wrap it up there and let the let the audience jump in. Um, look, sure, are, are you down? Are you down to hang out a little bit? A, a little bit. I got my wife wondering uh, when I'm coming home, but uh, we can we can go a few minutes here. All right, man. I, I appreciate you doing this interview. Uh, you know, I, it really is me just trying to truly understand the philosophy. Of BSV, and I think I think I've learned a lot. I'm I'm actually surprised to learn some things. I didn't realize <laughs> it was completely, you know, essentially a a, a status coin. No, um, I do not accept that at all. If that's that's what I'm hearing. I that <laughs> I, I you haven't been able to convince me otherwise, based on what uh. technology, what you want it to be. Uh, but let's open it up to the audience because we can continue this kind of philosophical debate and trying to understand where we think uh, these two projects will will end up. So, guys, go ahead, uh, jump up if you want to speak. Request, Kurt, man, thank you so much. No, for sure, happy to talk. Jess, once you once you go first, I, go ahead. I think, What's going on? I think in BSV also there's a lot of uh, privacy too, especially with the adoption of IPv6. Like if you have IPv6, you can uh, constantly change your IP when you um, sort of access it. So it increases your privacy, but it's actually very hard for the government to track you down. Because when the government, for the government to have to track you down, they have to sort of uh, contact, so who have you contacted and trace to them and then ask them, um, who have you contacted sort of before, like uh, let's say you got some illegal activity, right? And... Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good point. Uh, with, with IPv6 integration into the BSV stack, you can do basically limitless peer-to-peer -peer transactions that, that are not broadcast to the ledger until the recipient decides to. Uh, but it's it, it's an interesting piece of technology that is not not all the way out, but it's something that there's a, a, a broad and interesting roadmap. And again, I should express this is not protocol level, but it is usage level, wallet level, and, and other research that's being done. Uh, I believe privacy and anonymity tech should exist higher up in the stack as optional things, but the public ledger matters for all kinds of other reasons. But, yep. but yes, that's a good point. So, so it increases the, the privacy um, in it that, um, that yeah, you, no one can really sort of trace you until you sort of backtrace it, but it's always going to be there. So the evidence is always going to be there, but it's extra, it, it is quite hard for like the government to track you down if you sort of get what I mean. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I so, Jess, Jess what, do you, what do you think of a, a, a perfectly fungible crypto? Do you think there's there's something to be said for that, or it's uh, useless? Um, as in terms of, like, a gold-backed currency? No, something like a Monero where you can't see the history. There is no history to look at. So not obfuscating on a higher level, but on the protocol level itself, there's no 
history to look at on the ledger? Um, to be honest, I haven't really sort of looked into Monroe too much. Um, so I don't really have a, too much of a big opinion on that itself. I mean, what do you, what do you think of as a concept? So, like, oh, some of these ideas we're talking about that, you know, cash, digital cash should be untraceable so that you can't see the origins. Um, I don't think that that would be sort of like a good idea sort of overall. I'm sort of more on the BSV side where, um, where everything is like, it's private, but it's traceable. So like it's everything sort of like public. So it's hard to sort of like track you, but it's also public. So if you do something illegal, eventually you can be uh, traced back down, but it's, it'll just be very hard. I'm sort of on more of that route. Okay, and you don't see a use for a, a tool that does what Monero does, or you just see it also like Kurt, like just being some niche, niche version? Uh, I reckon it's probably a yeah, niche version more for sort of like illegal, illegal activities, I guess. Yeah, that, that's sort of uh, my point on that situation. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I really have to say around that subject. Cool. All right, cool, man. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, we got uh, Itch J. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Doug? Uh, thanks for having me up. This was an interesting uh, conversation. Um, and I and it's always come to the, kind of this uh, loggerheads of ideology. Um, but I think it's really it's maybe a misunderstanding as some to some degree. So I think the real innovation or one of the real innovations of Bitcoin uh, with having a open public ledger is that it fundamentally pushes corruption to the edges. And I mean, as libertarians will tell you, you know, there are States that are corrupt, uh, you know, and governments and banking institutions and corporations, however you want to, you know, you know, put it. The only thing that I think that people, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for all Monero heads, um, that people with the cypherpunk kind of mentality, they want to remove themselves from that, from being, you know, involved into that. So imagine a technology that keeps the world honest and the real edge cases will be something else. That is, I think, what makes Bitcoin very, very special. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying it's going to be easy to get governments on board, etc. But there's incentive to do so. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that real quick. Cool, man. Cool. Um, and you, when you say honest, you mean honest in terms of being able to track and trace everyone's transactions, not just that that the ledger itself is is honest well so here's the thing is that uh it's also a bit of game theory and you know right so if like police like just we're just gonna go police are not gonna track and trace people down for dime bags of weed or some shit you know if you are a large cartel you know funneling money uh human trafficking I mean, whatever the case may be, they have a financial incentive to start 
really looking at the transactions and then tracing them. So there's also uh, I mean, but how about the, the, these mass surveillance concerns, right? So that that's the real concern, right? So they it mm-hmm. gives governments this immense amount of power to mass surveil society and thus affect society through its well, ability to surveil. Yeah, but I mean, um, we also wanted to audit the Fed and then maybe audit the government and see where their finances are. So mass surveillance by everybody, including us citizens. And we'll see. I think that's where we can get to if everybody gets on the same page. Christina, what's up? Uh, hey, yeah, I just want to say, uh, so I know you guys always like to, uh, like, uh, mention the, like, bad thing. Uh, that Monero is used by for, but thing is, like a lot of uh, those, a, a lot of uh, transactions in Monero are actually legit. Like uh, people are building websites, um, uh, a lot of help, uh, like tutoring. Or, there's so many things that are just non-related to dark web. I don't know why you guys always focus on that. And uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, we we don't. We talk about it all the time. I mean, I personally run a coffee business, gratuitous that accepts Monero and then people can send tips to Monero. And that's the point, one of the points I was trying to make to Kurt too. Like why, why would I use BSV for my, my, my transactions as opposed to something like Monero that's going to give me privacy. It's going to give me added value in that when I make a transaction, I don't have to worry about the fact that somebody can see that transaction or then see my history. And there's, there's value there. There's value in privacy. Like why would somebody default to to using BSV? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this whatever you know this computer online. I can pay in Monero or I can pay in BSV. Why would I, as a consumer, choose the the traceable option? And Christina, I mean, I, I hope I don't say the dark market stuff I just talked about because that's just literally the the best example of proving that it works for that purpose. But obviously, in day to day transactions, why wouldn't Joe Schmo? use untraceable versus traceable if both are just as easy. Well, as a merchant and you're, you're, you're probably in a regulated business, you want to prove that these transactions came from XX and are all, you know, uh, above board, I guess you could say. I mean, it's I mean, a I, ledger. It's an auditable ledger. That's what the ledger's supposed to be. Right. Yeah, so business can still do that. They could still, you know, it's just like receiving cash. You know, they could still show, you know, I go to a Chinese restaurant. They accept cash. They accept Monero. It would be the same thing. Um, you know, and they could they could show their wallet uh, if they're audited. They could show their view key. But there's privacy by default as opposed to surveillance by default. Gal, Gal what's up? Hi. Uh, great discussion. So, um, I think to your question, why would somebody use BSV over Monero is that with BSV, you get everybody on the same chain. So you have the NFT guys on BSV. You have the ring signature guys on BSV. You have the full transparency. Everything can be tracked guys on BSV. So you have everybody in there and Combined, you have a large network, more volume, and more security. So that's my explanation. But as, but as a consumer, right? You you have B, BSV in your pocket, and you have Monero in your other pocket. You're out at a restaurant. What do you what do you choose to pay with? They accept both. Why would I Why would I say I'm going to pay with BSV when I could pay with untraceable think- Monero? There's value in privacy. 
It's not so, an, I'm not I'm not purchasing drugs. <laughs> I'm 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 making a cash like transaction, and I if I could if I could just as easily choose the traceable and the untraceable, why would I as a consumer in this instance choose the traceable option? Yeah, so in this instance, you already have both. So, yeah, you could use both, yes. But the question is, why did you get both? Why did you buy Monero or not BSV? And there the answer is that BSV you got maybe over your NFT project or something else, and Monero is only the one use case. What do you mean? I, I got Monero because I sold coffee for it, and I got Monero, and now I'm using my Monero to buy something up. Christina, go ahead. You chime in here. Uh, yes, I mean, I don't know what do you mean by more volume or a lot of volume. Like, I just looked on bit info charts, and, like, when I put Monero next to BSV, I mean, I can't even see BSV. So just because you say that it's more volume doesn't mean that it's true. Well, I'm not actually talking about the current situation because currently we all know nobody likes BSV. I'm, I'm <laughs> talking about um, what you know. If if everybody you know you you have an, an a larger network effect if you have a network that can do everything over a network that can do one thing. Right, but you don't, right? Like BSV, uh, we can see all the transactions. You don't have a large network effect because no one's using it, so. Yeah, but right. if, we're, if we're being fair, even if you take the entire collective of all blockchains, like we're still in a very little pond, even as a collective. Like nobody, nobody should be flexing about how much volume there is on anybody's blockchain. Like it is very unimpressive. Like Swift is just one way to send money across borders, and they do something like twenty trillion dollars a day, and so. Like, you know, we're, the, the amount, like, we are both within a, a sub-fraction of a rounding error in, in global commerce. So if we're talking about at this scale, like, any of us laughing at each other is silly. But what we should be doing is thinking about, okay, well, who can take on 100 million users tomorrow? So wait, wait, wait. Kurt, Kurt, so in ten years from now, if Monero is doing a thousand times more transactions than than BSV or ten thousand more, it would still be irrelevant. If if that was the case in ten years, I it, it, then we've already lost. I'm I'm just like just because of the now way hab havings work and everything like that's if that is the case, then it's like we're all done. We've already lost. So I don't remember what the I don't remember what the distribution schedule looks like on Monero. I think there's perpetual tail emission, if I recall. Yes. But but in Bitcoin systems there is not. And so if Monero has a thousand or ten thousand times the transaction volume as BSV in ten years, uh, it's because BSV is literally dead and gone. And so that's right. Okay. It's just a non-starter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christina, any any follow up there? Before I jump to somebody else, I mean, I just want to say that you know, peer to peer to peer uh, transactions are very rare and like very unique. So, um, yeah, I mean, transactions matter. I mean, I, I don't know why you're saying that it, it doesn't when they, when they do because it's very very rare. It's, well, it's literally showing that people are currently using it. It's not as opposed to hypothesizing about why people may use something in the future. 
sure, but can can network infrastructure like existing network infrastructure can anybody even like I run I run four nodes and four world class data centers, and so I know exactly what like the latency and bandwidth constraints are on sending a chain of digital signatures as a micropayment. I know exactly what it takes to to transact two or three million transactions inside of a ten minute period. I don't know that that's you know that anybody in any other blockchain has any idea what that looks like, but uh, but it is stuff that requires a significant amount of research and development uh, and a significant amount of, of infrastructure knowledge to to do well. And so this is why I say again, like when we're at this scale and and flexing, like we're kind of like Pee Wee level hockey debating, you know, who would be the the most likely to go beat the Chicago Blackhawks. And frankly, the Chicago Blackhawks would chuckle and say, well, none of you will. None of you have anywhere near the skill set to compete. So what, what I'm what, like, we are inherently discussing a future conversation because the volume of today on, on all networks, including BTC and ETH, like it's it's dismal. So we are um, we all have a lot of work to do and a lot of competing to do. And I'm, you know, busting bust ass all day, every day at, at doing it. So, um, I just yeah, I mean, but yeah, you I, have to make sure that your network is growing. Like, uh, the, like you don't want to overgrow your network when you're not when you don't need that that space. So, I think right now, like the way it is, uh, the people that actually do use it and do make transactions, like the network is enough. Like, yeah, anyway. I I would argue that if you know you're going to be in a race, that you better be spending a lot of time at the racetrack working on your times. So that's would, my thought on it. I would love to jump in here. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Brian, you could, you could jump in. Hold on one second. I just want to say, I, I, I failed to uh, shill Monerotopia at any point during this talk. I just want to put it out there. We're throwing a Monero conference in Mexico city in May. Uh, so anybody that's interested in Monero, interested in learning more about Monero, uh, you should definitely consider coming on down. Tickets are super cheap. We'll have a bunch of Monero devs down there talking about the current tech and the latest tech, and then we'll also have other privacy projects presenting. Um, BS, Kurt, you're going you're gonna to come down to uh, Monerotopia, represent? When, when and where? Uh, in Mexico City, May 6th and 7th. It'd be epic to have uh, you down there, man. Maybe, we could get, maybe. We could get you. We could maybe uh, get you on a panel or something. Yeah, you know, what? I I wouldn't be opposed. I, I I would love to. All right, um, Brian, go ahead, man. Take it away. Sure. No, I appreciate that, and thank you guys for uh, having this conversation. Um, you know, I think uh, what Kristen said is is important. You know, transactions do matter, and. I think it, maybe it was reported wrong earlier when they said that, you know, they placed the two next to each other. Um, I mean, BSV, even on BitInfo charts, is well over 2 million transactions just in the last 24 hours versus, say, Monero's 16,000. And that's 88,000 transactions an hour versus, say, you know, what is it, 695. So, I mean, again, you know, the scaling piece of this technology where we're really all at the tip of the spear of kind of growing and, and scaling and uh, securely scaling this technology really matters, as, as Kurt is saying. And I think, you know, to kind of highlight that, I build on BSV as well. and We build a cybersecurity app that we've been collaborating with IBM for with over a year. 
we were able in a just 24 hour period capture every 10 seconds the state of a, a business network to ensure uh you know the fastest detection times possible and we were just in one day we did more transactions than btc and ethereum combined on the bsv network for such a minuscule fee and so i i think when you're starting to look it's not just peer-to-peer -peer, it's business to business it's uh, machine to machine and you need that scaling and infrastructure to not only provide the privacy that you're seeking, but I also think that you're conflating privacy and anonymity. And the problem with anonymity is, is that it's never good not to know who's uh, not in your neighborhood. And but, but I would think that most BSV is literally pseudonymous, right? And so you could effectively be anonymous on BSV. So it hasn't even, not that I agree, because I totally disagree with you. I think, I, I, I think those two concepts, number one, can be conflated because they both essentially uh, are, are, are for the purposes of achieving the same end goal, which is privacy and security. So anonymity certainly gives you added privacy. Um, and so, you know, BSV can be used anonymously in theory. It's just more difficult to do so. Um, so it's not like it's even solved that problem where it's not, you know, where it's perfectly not uh, anonymous. So somebody could theoretically use it but anonymously. That's, you're living, I, I would, in all respect, but I, I feel like you're living in this, you know, dream utopia that this stuff doesn't exist today, that... Governments well, don't have. I feel like you guys. Honestly, I feel like I gotta say, I feel like you guys are living in a dream utopia because you're talking about like a world that could be in the future, and we're talking about reality now. Go no, the, you're go, not. You're not. Yes, really yes, we are. People use Monero when people want to transact for purposes of digital cash. Uh, they use. They choose Monero. And are you familiar know, with any of the you know regulations and? And considerations that are happening just here on Capitol Hill, you know. Yeah, I ran, for, I ran for Congress in 2020. I'm, I'm, oh, great. I'm, I'm very familiar I, I with it. Yeah, that's and I'm, great. I'm familiar with the Constitution, and I'm f familiar with the Fourth Amendment, and I'm familiar with the First Amendment. And, you know, I, I think code is speech. I think money is speech. And I think people uh, should so be allowed to every... use. Yeah, and I think encryption is, you know, is, is speech. So do you think every, you know, 10, 20 years, some emerging technology comes out and, you know, we should go back and rewrite every law and regulation? Or do you feel like the regulations that, you know, you do apply to almost every single day, right, uh, in one way or another, whether voluntary or not, do you feel that um, that these are, are just uh, – you know, things that you can ignore if they come out and say, you know, there's no uh, anonymous money whatsoever. You know, do you think that? Yeah, you're, you're, so once again, you're talking in the hypotheticals. In the real world right now, I can legally use Monero in the United States of America. You're talking about some hypothetical solution where it's banned. So in reality, people use Monero well, today discussing that now. for digital cash purposes. And in reality, right now, today, it's legal to use Monero in America. So uh, you're once again, you're like I feel like you guys are are, are kind of in a, in a in a dream world here. 
Um, and so to suggest otherwise seems very hypocritical. It's in almost every major bill on cryptocurrency on Capitol Hill right now. So, like, I guess maybe we're not living in that reality today, but the, you know, the government is extremely slow to respond to things. I think we saw that with FTX, with Luna, with everything that, that has already transpired in the crypto casino. And at the end of the day, you know, when they do come to town, they come to town. And it's not going to be, um, you know, they can shut things down extremely quickly. Uh, hey, what guys, uh, what uh, what I, grounds? Guys, real quick, I have to I have to jet, but um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'd be happy to come on again. I'd be happy to continue the conversation anywhere else. So uh, let, let's stay in touch. Kurt, man, thank you so much. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get you down to Mexico. I think that would be that would be pretty epic. Actually, that would be uh... that'd be awesome. I would I would <laughs> I would love to go there. I'd love to hang out with you guys. I'd love to meet you in person. I I think it'd be great. Right. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, Gal, go ahead. Yeah, so um, you had the question, what um, what is inherent in BSV that makes it impossible to fork it? And, and we know that that's not possible because it's code. Everybody can take code and, and fork it. But what, what we have in BSV is like this social contract that we don't want to change a protocol. So, for example, if I take Ethereum as an example... The social contract in Ethereum is that you can do any change. You can hard fork, you can soft fork. Both is acceptable and both is Ethereum. And then we have, for, for example, in BTC, um, the social contract is you you mustn't hard fork, but you can soft fork as often you want as long as you can trick old nodes in accepting the new transactions and the new rules. And so, so my question is, What's the social contract in Monero? Is it acceptable to change contract? And if so, in which way? The social contract in Monero is to create the, the best form of digital cash, and it makes all its design decisions towards that, that goal. Okay, so, so, so easiest whatever way you need to change, that's okay. Right, if if necessary, mm. right? So um, Monero sees sees you know digital cash as being you know, an evolving technology because it, it's you know a never ending battle to achieve privacy on a blockchain. Okay, so in BSV, the idea is that the evolving technology um, is within the script so you don't change the underlying technology you don't change a protocol but everything else you want to integrate or 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 develop new um will be done with the existing script so that's why we got for example now the ring signature or ck proofs uh, ck snarks they didn't ex exist two years ago uh, but they were added without changing the protocol right and the protocol has changed in the past on BSV. It's not like what Satoshi yes. released has not changed. So, yeah. uh, so similar so, to similar to Monero, I you know when I said privacy is a never-ending battle, uh, you know, it, it it is, but it's 
it asymptotically approaches zero itself, right? So over time, Monero itself will ossify. Changes will become less and less often as, uh, you know, it, as it no longer becomes necessary to continue to uh, implement new technology. And, and eventually, you know, uh, it, will, it will achieve its, its final state. Uh, but I think because of what Monero is trying to achieve, it needed to, it needed to to make changes in order to maintain its its privacy. Yeah, so I think it's a common misunderstanding that people think that BSV the BSV protocol um, was set in stone at the time it split from Bitcoin Cash. Right. So at that time, the idea was let's go back as close as possible to what Satoshi released. It will not be one-to-one -one because there were too many changes that would need to be undone. So, But let's do it as close as possible, and once we get there, we'll stop. Right. So once Monero gets to digital cash, it stops. And this is the argument I was trying to have with Kurt, is that both, both of these technologies uh, do, do change. They are software, and developers implement code. And that's why I was saying there's no nothing fundamentally different between Monero and BSV in that regard. I think I think um, what Gal's saying though is it's a, 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 the difference between a, um, a restorative change and a progressive change. So um, I think those those two things are are different um, on a fundamental level um, because if if everything that exists within the the rule set of the of the of the chain and restoring everything back to what it was, um, that's different from saying, okay, we need to evolve and progress outside of the rules or the rule set that was that existed in, in place. So it, it, to me, it's a difference between a progressive change and a restorative change. Yeah, I think that I think that's pretty subtle because effectively it's people deciding to change something and collectively agreeing to do it. And so theoretically that could happen on BSV again. Is it likely? I guess not from what you guys are telling me. Uh, and in Monero, it's not likely for it to change unless there's a real necessity for it to do so to, to become a more improved version of digital cash. Uh, I don't know. Would you ever see a scenario where in BSV uh, upgrades or you're saying from here on out, the protocol will never, ever change? Uh, I see it. Well, I see it. So sorry. So I see it. For example, if if we um, if uh, SHA two five six is cracked, for example, you would need to upgrade to something, and that would be there you go. a hard All change. Right. Perfect, perfect example, right? So, uh, you know, if if you know, I don't, I don't see how that how that's any different than Monero, right? So you're saying if if something happens where it it necessitates a change, it, the community will collectively decide to to change it. Yeah, but from what I understood, that's not the only case that is acceptable in Monero to make changes. That is the, the case by which it makes changes is when the, the community collectively agrees that it's a change towards improving the protocol for digital cash purposes. Yeah, but in, 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 in the SHA-256 case, it's not to improve. It's in, in order to not have everybody's money stolen. You know, that's it's, I mean, right. it's, so it's, that's, you, that's you are similar. forced. That's similar, right? So, like, so maybe you're forced to do it in Monero because there's, uh, some new ability to, to better trace, uh, inputs, right? 
I mean, these things are analogous. You're, you're really, they're, they're this, they're the same thing, just different versions. Jesse, um, sure. You got, you got anything to say? I brought you guys up as listeners. I mean, as uh, speakers or Jesse, you're still speaker. Anybody else? Uh, What's the question again? <laughs> you were still, I thought you still wanted to chat. No worries. If you got nothing, nothing to say. Um, guys, I think I'm going to wrap it up. It was great. Meta, go ahead. Well, yeah, if you're going to wrap it up, then um, I probably don't want to go off on a on a tangent or trail here. Um, I, 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 okay. Yeah, so maybe an, uh, another time we can dive in deeper. But what I was going to talk about was I, I think that beyond just the technology, um, and, I, and you pointed out uh, rightly that there are some philosophical differences, um, you know, not necessarily between everybody in the chain, but just in how we approach the, the concept and the idea of money and governments in the state. I think that typically um, people that are big supporters of Monero have a massive distrust of state, um, almost an extreme distrust, so that they, in, in, some, in some cases, the ones that I've talked to, they're almost, you know, um, don't think that the state should exist um, in any form. Um, I don't know if that's the case with you. Um, I, I can't imagine that it would be because you ran for um, office. But I think that those – Well, I mean, one, one doesn't negate the other there, but go ahead. Yeah, like I, I think that there, there's a big philosophical, like, uh, question there about what, it, what the purpose of the state and the purpose of uh, its existence and, you know, what liberty means and what speech means. Like, I hear this a lot, and we just had this discussion um, uh, recently, and Kurt was actually um, having that discussion um, – uh, gosh, I'm already losing the name of the gentleman right now. <clears throat> but we, I, I hosted that, that discussion about it, and he said the same thing. He said, you know, uh, code is free speech or code is speech. And I think that there's problems with that. I, I don't think that that's true necessarily. I, I think that well, – let me. I guess let me step back. I think that it's true to an extent, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't mean that, uh, that the like, code in and of itself – once it gets implemented and enters into the domain of finance and, you know, human relations, uh, you enter into different domains of both law and governance. And I think that's where a lot of people who say things like code of speech kind of get mis, um, misaligned there. Like, they, they, yeah, you can write code and you can run software, fine, whatever. Um, but the moment that that piece of software or that code does something in the domain of human um you know, human relationships or in the finance world or in the cybersecurity world, uh, you've entered into a completely different spot. Like that, that's not just free speech floating out there like me talking on Twitter right now. And so, but for, for this particular type of technology for a cryptocurrency. Yo, Douglas, shut the fuck you... up, bitch. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll be taking over the space now. Ah! <laughs> uh lad on tour would you like to say something oh, sorry just... what'd you say said you can go... I was like, hey i'm sorry i'd like to apologize I, i'm just not too sure what that was yeah no worries this is fucking idiot so well i mean i would like to run an idea by y'all if that's cool uh, in, in a Web3 space, you know, uh, uh, universe. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, basically my idea was like I could create like a crypto exchange, right, where like people could buy and sell crypto coins. But in reality, I would create my own coin and then I would pump it by buying and selling it myself and inflate its value. And I would tell everyone my company's worth, you know, billions of dollars. And then I fly to the Bahamas and I take a lot of amphetamines and I fuck my girlfriend for like 48 hours straight. And then I get caught up by the face. But that's my idea uh, in the gist of it. Um, I hope none of y'all steal it. <laughs> All right, this uh, this whole room is really taking a turn. Yeah, I, I would say probably. Just so you guys know, crypto is all a scam, and you're all losing money. NFTs are all fake. You guys are all losing tons of money. You're all oh, the and you all deserve to lose every single dollar that you every dollar you spend on these dumbass fucking computer generated art is another dollar wasted and i can't wait in five years when all of you guys are like oh i lost fifteen thousand dollars yeah and who fucking told yeah, you, you retards go go enjoy your uh, raspberry pi node and i hope it keeps you warm yeah well go enjoy having no <laughs> all right guys i think i think we'll have to wrap it up uh I guess it's getting late around here. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, I, it's just been no I had to say something. Go ahead. But thanks for having me on for, for to have a speak anyway. Yeah, no worries. Of course. I'm, I'm all for talking to anybody as long as it's not just completely disrupted drivel. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll end it there. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, check out Monerotopia.com if you want to come down to Mexico City. We're going to have a Monero conference. Uh, we, we do these shows every week. And uh, I, I enjoyed this one. It was fun. All right. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. All right. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.